Titus 2, verse 12, says this, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. My name is Russ. I am one of the pastors here. We're so excited that you could spend a Sunday morning with us. We are in the book of Titus. We are talking about a letter that's written from a guy named Paul to a guy named Titus. Paul is a church leader, and he is writing to a younger church leader about how to lead the church. And in this verse that we just read, he talks about a a pretty simple truth that's all throughout Scripture. And it is this idea that when we follow Jesus, we turn from the life that we used to live. So in other words, we're walking toward um, evil, sin, death, and then we come to this uh, realization of how important it is to follow Jesus, and we make a turn, and we go in a different direction towards life, uh, towards good, towards God. There's different ways you could say that, but that's kind of the idea, is that when we follow Jesus, we turn away from evil and sin and death, and we start walking toward a new life. And sometimes, if maybe if you grew up in church, you might feel this, or, or maybe if you're just familiar with church at all, you might feel this. But there, sometimes, um, we have this guilt because we feel like if, if I accept Jesus, or if I become a Christian, or if I start going to church more, then I have to be perfect. And that's what that means, is I'm turning away from evil, and I'm walking towards good, and I, I'm perfect. And even though we, we know that that's probably impossible to just snap your fingers and become perfect, we still feel a lot of guilt about the things that we're doing in our lives. And, and when we mess up, there's some shame there. And so what we're going to talk about is how do we live in line with this verse that we just read, that we're walking away from evil and towards God, but also realize that this is a, this is a process, that you don't just become perfect. How do we experience life change and actually change our lives when a lot of the stuff that has always been true about us or was true about us before we started walking with Jesus is still true about us today? How do we live in that tension. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, We're going to read the whole book of Titus 2, chapter 2, but before we do, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Father, we uh, thank you for this time together, and we thank you that on on a cold, rainy morning, we can still declare things that are true, and we can still um, look at Uh, how far you've brought us and celebrate that. So thank you for bringing us here amongst each other. And we pray that um, you would continue to to grow us together as a community of faith. Um, So God, uh, be with us in this time. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this time so that we may experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, there's a lot of verses in Titus 2. There's 15 total, and I'm going to read all 15 of them in one fell swoop. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Titus chapter 2, and we're going to read it together. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older woman to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. They will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves must also obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. <clears throat> we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed, He gave us life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. So there's a lot in there in chapter 2, right? There's a lot of lists, there's a lot of people, and there's a, a lot of talking about how we are to behave. So if this is a letter from Paul to Titus about how to lead a church, if you were here last week, you heard us talk about chapter 1, where Paul talks about there are people in the church who hang on to their traditions they hang on to things like circumcision and obeying the rules and saying, you have to, to, to follow Jesus, yes. You have to believe in his death and resurrection, but you also have to do these other things in order for you to be part of the church, be part of this movement, be right with God. And Paul says, don't add anything to the good news. Just believe the good news. Believe in the death and resurrection. And there is still this question, even though we don't hold on to the traditions, the traditions aren't what, they're not what saves us, they're not what puts us right with God, but there is this question of how do we live, how do we behave? And Paul starts to answer that. He writes to Titus and he, he talks about how he's supposed to teach certain people in his church to behave. So he tells older men to live wisely and to live a life that's worthy of respect. He tells older women to teach younger women how to live. Uh, don't be heavy drinkers. Uh, watch the way you talk to people and about people. 
in, in the same way, encourage young men to live wisely. And so he kind of goes through it and he says, older women, younger women, older men, younger women, this is how you're supposed to tell these people, Titus, in your church how to behave. And if we read it through the eyes of 2018, there's some things in here that are kind of hard for us to read too, right? I mean, there's the whole idea of telling slaves to obey their masters, and how do we look at that in a time where we all realize that slavery is a horrible thing? It's a bad thing. So how do we read this? How do we read um, a passage that, that tells women to stay in their homes? How do we read these things and, and figure out not only why was it important 2,000 years ago, but why is it important today? There is a um, pastor from the 17th century. His name is Matthew Henry. <coughs> Excuse me. That was really loud in that mic. I have no idea what just got in my nose before I came up on stage, but... That's the way it works for me sometimes. <laughs> Better? Thank you. I'm such a mess. <laughs> you just couldn't handle it anymore, could you? I don't blame you. Oh. Welcome to Soma. Uh, Titus... Um, Matthew Henry is a pastor from the 17th century, and he talks about this uh, passage. Matthew Henry actually wrote a commentary on the entire Bible, and he wrote it a few hundred years ago. So um, I, I kind of updated the language a little bit, or I found an updated language version. But this is what he says about this passage that we just read. The church must become holy both men and women must behave in a way that is in line with who God has called them to be. The virtues in Titus 2, like sobriety, faith, love, charity, and patience, are for older men. But they're not just for older men, they are for older women as well. Women are to listen to the word of God, yes, but men are too. There is not one way of salvation for one sex and another way for another, both must learn and practice the same things, old and young. <laughs> These virtues and duties are common to everyone in the church. So this is what Matthew Henry said about this passage. Is that yes, Paul and Titus are talking to specific people in the church. Older men, older women, younger men, younger women, even slaves. But what he's saying to all of them is to live with integrity and character. In other words, this passage, this verse 12 that we read at the very beginning, we turn away from living towards our own evil, sinful desires, and we start walking towards Christ. And it doesn't matter if you're older younger, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, we are to live in a way that looks like Jesus in the world. We live in an evil world where we are surrounded by evil in every different way that you can imagine. And Paul says the thing that's going to speak loudest is our walk towards good. And we don't have to wait until we're perfect in order for us 
to be with God or in order for us to, to be a Christian. But we have to understand that we're walking toward perfection every single day. And Jesus is walking with us, but we are taking steps toward Christ every single day. Day. This is the call on our lives, that we are called to live with character and integrity. So maybe another way to read this is, don't just demand respect because you're a husband, or a man, or a boss, or a parent, or older than other people. But, but live in a way where people actually respect you. Don't just demand it, live in a way that deserves respect. Don't be defined as a drunk. And I know that there are people in our community and people that we know who are, ha- have addiction issues and we want to walk with people through that, but we want to walk with people through the recovery process, toward healing, toward wholeness. Don't be defined as someone who's defined by their sin. Live with character and integrity, even if you're going through the recovery process. Live with character and and integrity. Be loving and patient with people. Older people should spend time with younger people and pass on wisdom they have gained. Don't talk back to people. Don't steal from people. Be respectful. Don't just demand respect, but live in a way where people actually respect you. And as Paul is writing to Titus, he's even making a personal request of Titus as a little brother, as someone he loves and cares for. He says, respect, or he says, teach the truth, teach the good news, teach the gospel of Jesus, death and resurrection. Yes, teach that. But live in a way where no matter what people have to say about the way you teach and the things you say, people have nothing to say about the way you live. Because they might be convinced by your teaching and your story of Jesus' death and resurrection. But what they're really going to remember is the way you live and how it changed you. This is the call on our lives. That we wouldn't just be people who say one thing. Who talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. But we're, we're actually people who are growing in faith. And again, we're not perfect. We are messed up people, but we are messed up people who live with character and integrity. And we walk with Jesus along the way, the path toward righteousness. And righteousness is a big word that we use in the church. And there's lots of ways to define it. But here's the best way I've ever heard. is Righteousness is the process of becoming like God. And not that we're all powerful, but we continue to grow out of our sin and into holiness because of what Christ is doing in our lives. This is the call on our lives, that we would turn from evil and sin and death and we would walk toward light and life and holiness. Paul tells Titus to teach the truth, to speak the story, but to live the story even bigger. So that people see the way you live and they're convinced by that. We want people of integrity. We want people to say what they believe, but we also want people to live what they believe. I mean, think about how you feel 
when you hear somebody uh, talk about things like sexual integrity but are unfaithful to their spouse. Or think about how you feel when you read somebody who talks all the time about how we should pay attention to the environment, but they don't even recycle. Or think about how you feel about a politician who will say lots of different things just to get votes, but they don't actually live in line with what they are preaching and campaigning on. Think about hearing somebody lecture somebody else about serving the poor and they don't know any poor people. Live with integrity. Live with honest life. Live an honest life. Live with character. Um, a few years ago, I have a friend of mine who was going through something, and, and this friend was asked to lie about a situation for somebody else. And um, it was going to get them in trouble with a group of friends if they didn't lie. Um, and it probably would have been pretty easy for this person to lie, uh, but they didn't. And I remember having a conversation with this friend of mine talking about, that must be hard for you to lose friends because, because you didn't lie for them. And this friend of mine said something to me that was so powerful, and it was simple. It just said, I'm always happy to do the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to do the right thing. And there are consequences sometimes for doing the right thing. We will lose people in our lives sometimes for doing the right thing. But if we're going to be people who walk with Jesus, who walk toward holiness, who live with character and integrity in a world that often does not have very much character and integrity, it is worth it because we are walking with Jesus. And some people are not going to like that. But this is what Paul is telling Titus to do, is to tell your people to live out the story of Jesus. Show what Christ has done in your life by the way you live, because that's the most important thing. It's to not just talk about it, but to actually live it. And, and this gets messy sometimes. Because as we said earlier, we don't just become perfect. We're still going to stumble along the way. A lot of you know that we're part of a family of churches. We're connected to the orchard. So there's uh, an orchard um, in, in Tupelo, right across town on the west side of town. But we have uh, other churches in Oxford and Starkville and in Baldwin and a few others. And we're part of that family of churches. And... Um, one of our pastors, Brian Collier, tells this story about very early on in the days of the Orchard in Tupelo. He was uh, at a ball game, and he met somebody sitting next to him at the, at the ball game and found out where they lived and said, Oh, I, ha I know somebody who lives in your neighborhood. They actually go to our church. And this person that he had just met started talking about, That person goes to your church? Let me tell you all the things that they do. Let me tell you what their house is like on Friday night sometimes. And let me tell you about what they did two years ago. And let me tell you about the things that are going on in their life right now that I don't know if a good church person go, should, should actually be, 
be doing those kind of things. And he laughed and he said, yeah, I know. You should have seen him last year. Um, I, I love that story because this is, this is the call on our life. It's not to be perfect. It is to grow. And I would love it if every single one of us could share stories and say, I'm still a mess. I am still a mess. That is true. And, and that is true for me. But you really should have seen me last year. And you should have seen me five years ago when I first started walking with Jesus. And you should have seen me 15 years ago when I first started walking with Jesus. And yeah, I got a lot that I got to work out in my own life. And I got a, I got a lot that I probably need to do differently. But, but Jesus is walking with me and he's changing me. This is what Paul is telling Titus to do, to live with character and integrity and realize that faith is a process. It is a process where we grow and we bloom and old things die off and new things come to life. But Jesus is with us every single step of the way and he's pointing us toward God every single step of the way. And that doesn't mean we won't step off every once in a while. And that doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. And, and that doesn't mean that there aren't really deep things that we have to deal with in our own life. For some of us, that there are going to be some addictions that we have to shed. There are going to be some selfish things in our life that we're going to have to get rid of. We're going to have to give in places where it hurts or serve in places where it hurts or be uncomfortable when we'd rather be comfortable. There are things that we're going to have to give up, but it's a it's a process. We're being shaped into the image of God. And uh, we want to be people who look back and say, yeah, but you should have seen me a year ago, five years ago, six months ago. Um, my small group meets on Wednesday nights. And one of my favorite things about my small group is it's filled with people telling stories of the life that they used to live. And it's not like we, we're looking out the window of the life we used to live and being like, ooh, that was so great when we were so terrible. But we share these stories with each other about our past so we can celebrate how far God has brought us to this place right now. And if God has brought us this far to this place in November of 2018 in Tupelo, Mississippi. If God has brought us this far, then what in the world is he going to do with us next? How is he going to continue to make us people of character and integrity and holiness? How is he going to shape us next? And we realize that sometimes that's a painful process. And we realize sometimes that's a joyous process. But we realize that Above all, it is a process that God has called us to. That we would keep being better people. Not just to say we're good. Not just to pat ourselves on the back. And not just to say we did it on our own strength. It's because we can celebrate and say, look what God has done in and through my life. God is shaping us into people of character and integrity and this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Which way are we headed? Which way are we going? If Christ has intervened in your life, if he has come into your life, 
Are we headed toward holiness? Are you in a place right now where you've taken a break or taken a detour or just don't really care that much? What's God working on in your life right now? Where has he called you to give where it hurts or serve where it's uncomfortable? Or give up something that you've held on to for a long time? How is God shaping and changing you? This is the question for us today. How is God changing you? We're going to come to the table today. And um, the night before Jesus was crucified, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, take this and eat this. This is my body that's broken for you. Don't worry, I'm not going to put my hands on it. (laughs) I know some of you are thinking it. So this is my body that's broken for you. And he took a cup. And he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you and for all of humanity. And we do this at the end of all our services for a lot of reasons. But most of all, it's a reminder that Christ died for us. And once we realize that Christ died for us, we start our new life where we are called to holiness. And we invite every single person here to be a part of this, to recognize what Christ did for us and and to recommit to this idea that God has called us to something new, that God has called us to change our lives, to be people of character and integrity. Not just so we can say we're good people, but we can point to this truth over and over. That Christ died and rose again for us. And so, if there's anything you want to pray about, uh, Daniel and I will be in the back if you want to pray with us. You can pray in your chair if you're uncomfortable coming forward. But we would invite you to come and remember this. To deal with the stuff that God is doing in your life. To trust Him to change you, to set you on a new course, to keep you moving toward holiness, toward righteousness. So I'm going to ask our communion service to come forward, and as they come forward, I'm going to pray for us, and you're invited to come. God, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you for this truth that you have called us to be in relationship with you. And we know um, that we're all messed up in some way or another. And so, God, we pray that you would reveal to us the ways that you want us to change. Um, We pray that you would, that we would have the courage um, to change in that way. God, I I feel that there are people in this room who are still holding on to to things that they know are bad for them. They're bad for their faith. They're bad for their life. And I pray um, for those people who are dealing with those things, God. I pray that you would heal them of those things. That you would cleanse them of those things. 
that those things would drop off their lives so they can live fully into the life that you have called them to. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come?